Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Amen. Um, Today we continue in our little mini-series entitled The Grand Finale. This might be the last sermon on this. Pastor Kirk is going to be preaching next Sunday. But I have gotten some emails. People want me to continue talking about it a little bit. We will, we will see. I will pray about it, and, uh, and we'll see. But um, this is called the grand finale because what we're looking at is, well, the end of, of time as we know it. We're going past the reign of Christ. We're going past Armageddon. We're going past the great white throne judgment to the grand finale. And we get to have a little glimpse of what it's going to be like because God gave a vision to the Apostle John in Revelation chapter 21, which is where we'll be this morning. So, but let's first open up in a word of prayer before we dig into the text. Father, we ask that by your Spirit that we might be given insight. Let us behold wondrous things in your word. Give us eyes to see. Father, you know that the sermon has been prepared, but the victory belongs to the Lord. That only by your Spirit can this really change us and sanctify us and give us love and joy and peace and hope. But we ask that you would accomplish this this morning, not only through the songs of praise and the offering of tithes, but also through the preaching of your word. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name, and all who agree, would you say amen? Amen. Revelation chapter 21, starting in verse 1. Then I, that's John the Apostle, saw. It's a vision. It's a picture, a moving picture. He saw a new heaven and a new earth. That's right. We talked about this last week. Heaven and earth, all of creation, he sees totally and finally renewed. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Which means, as we spoke last week, that the state and condition under sin and under the curse had been passed away. And now the new heavens and the new earth, resurrected, if you will, there, glorified on the final day. He sees it. And the sea was no more. Which is interesting. That means ocean. And I, I don't want to spend a whole sermon on this, but does this mean that there will literally not be an ocean? I'm going to bring this up here because it's, it's, this is one of the most difficult aspects of preaching from the book of Revelation. Is it literal or is this a picture? Now, of course, we know that the waters of life flow from under the throne of God in the heavenlies. Amen. And it flows out over the whole world, turning salt water into fresh water. Is that what it means? Is it a spiritual revitalization of the earth by the power of the Holy Spirit? Um, yes. Yes, it definitely means that. Um, If you drink of the waters of life that God will give you, you will live. Amen. And that's true one day of the whole earth. The whole earth will drink to the total, to the uttermost, the waters of of life. And there will no longer be the ocean, the place of death, the abyss, the dwelling place of Leviathan. All that sin and curse will be eradicated. Is that going to be true one day ultimately? Amen. But does it literally mean there will not be an ocean? Maybe. Maybe. That's all I can help you with. But one thing I know, one thing I do know, is that the picture given to us has no ocean. 
And so for whatever reason, God wants us to imagine the world with these pictures. You see what I mean? You know, as a, as a kid, I struggled with imagining what heaven would be like. And if you're like me, it involved uh, wings and, and angels, the little baby angels that I saw in my grandmother's wallpaper, and lots of levitation and hovering and clouds, and a lot of singing and other boring things. But no, the Bible wants us to imagine heaven like this. This is the final state. This is the grand finale. So when we picture it, it's totally okay to picture it as a earth filled with mankind, as many as the stars of heaven, amen, as many as the sands of the seashore, and all that place of death and abyss completely eradicated. All right. So hopefully that helps you understand how we read this and how we interpret it. But moving on to verse 2, which is our main point this morning, he also sees and... On the tail end of the new creation, he sees the holy city. New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. That's Jesus. Amen? This is the grand finale, and I'm going to be real simple this morning. I'm going to go through verse 2, using verse 2 as an outline. And so we're going to start right at the beginning, and Kevin is going to have it on the screen for us because I want to, to embed everything that I say in the text as much as I possibly can. But look here, it begins, and... So this is a continuation of his vision. He sees the renewed creation, the heavens and the earth, but then in the midst of the new creation, there, high, high, up and above into the heavenlies, He sees a city. Isn't that interesting? A city. That's right. But the most important thing I want you to see here for your Christian life today is that he doesn't see into the future a city. It says very carefully, look, it says, and I saw the holy city. That means that when John wrote this book, and I believe, and there's some debate about this, but what I believe John wrote this book in 66 A.D., that means in 66 A.D., the holy city had already been built. Interesting. Have you ever thought about it that way? Now, it's very important for us to understand this. The holy city was built. He saw it. That's right. Listen to Revelation chapter 21, verse 10. This harmonizes with 21.10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city. You see, he showed John, look, John, the holy city. Apparently, if it's literal, and the Bible says in Revelation 21 that it's about 12,000 miles high. That's 1,000 miles past the space shuttle or the space station. I don't know if it's literal or not, but he brings him up to the top of a mountain and he says, look, there, the holy city. It had already been built. It had already been constructed. Galatians chapter 4, verse 26. Listen to what Paul says. He says, but the Jerusalem above. This is the book of Galatians written in the first century. Paul says the Jerusalem above. You see, he knew that it had already been constructed. is free. And she is our mother. Have you been born again? Have you been born again? Have you experienced that new life from the Spirit of God? Well, the phrase born again in Scripture is literally born from above. That's your mother. You're born from above. In other words, the Spirit pouring out from the throne of the new Jerusalem is what came into your life and caused you to be born from above. That's our mother. But it's already in existence. This is why we experience so much of what is described in the holy city. 
This Sabbath, if you want to honor the Sabbath this afternoon, read the last chapter of the book of Revelation. Read all of the descriptions of the holy city. We don't have time to get into all of them, but there is walls decorated with with jasper and diamonds and gates of pearl. The descriptions go on and on and on. But some of the descriptions of what what we are reading there are true of us already today in some small way. So, for example, that holy city. Now, Christ Church, listen. This is the word of God in the, in the worship service. God wants you to picture this in your mind. He wants you to use your imagination, right? Amen? So picture this. There in that holy city, in the future, when we dwell there at the grand finale, at the final state, there will be no more tears because all tears will have been wiped away. Amen? Dwell on that. Meditate on that. Bring that back into your life today. Right? There will be no more tears. Nothing that would make you cry. Which is why I said last week, I think all my pets will be there. Nothing which will make me cry. All the sadness, all the loneliness, all the mourning, death, decay, all of that gone. All the bad memories, gone. But can we not have our tears wiped away in this life? Of course we can in some small way, right? Of course they come back, but God wipes them and they come back and God wipes them, preparing us for that day when he will wipe them all away. You see, what is true in in the holy city... The city above is true, and we experience some of it in this life. There in the holy city, the Bible says that there is a tree of life. And the tree of life has gone from one tree to a forest of trees in John's vision in Revelation 21. And it says that the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. But that's already happening. There's already, God is already healing people all over the world by medicine, by doctors, by nurses, and by miracles. He's healing people now. But then to the uttermost, all will be healed. Does everyone see? Do I need to keep saying this? You see, he is going to be our God and we are going to be his people. But that's already true in some extent because the holy city has already been built. His life is still pouring out from there upon us even today. But this is also why the holy city has walls and gates. Because the holy city is at war. We fight. There are enemies. We must hold that that line, right? Amen? There are walls and there are gates, but one day in the uttermost, at the final state, those gates will be flung open, never to be closed again. That's what the Bible says. Opened up. Amen? Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10. Because if it was already built, I, I think that we ought to ask, well, who built it? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 10. For he, that is Abraham was looking forward to the city that has foundations. You see, there's a city with foundations. That's Revelation chapter 21. Abraham knew that God wasn't a local deity just over a little small patch of ground in Palestine. Abraham knew that God had much more in store for the world. So even back then, he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is, say that with me, God. Who built it? God built it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 16, but as it is, speaking of the saints who have gone on before us, they desire a better country. That's right. That is a heavenly one. Who here desires a better country? Amen. Who doesn't? We are, in this sense, strangers and sojourners in the land, in that the city in which we hold our citizenship, the city where we were born, our mother, where we were born from above, is something in our hearts as a longing. And we know because of that, that the United States of America, although we are loyal to it, and it is our heritage and it is our nation, we are ultimately 
citizens of the holy city. Amen? Amen. Look at um, John chapter 14, verse 2. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Can you receive that this morning, Christ Church? Let not your heart be troubled. Amen. Let not your heart be troubled. In my Father's house are many rooms. And that's translated accurately, mansions. These are not shanties. These are glorious mansions, like what Shaquille O'Neal has. Massive, beautiful mansions. There are many of them. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? It's already there. Kids, when you imagine heaven, or if you want to know where your loved ones who have passed away went, that's where they went. That's where they went. That wasn't in my notes, sorry. Um, you know, and, and, and kids, when you imagine, when you imagine, don't imagine, you know, shiny angels with big white wings. Now, that may be what they look like. I don't know. You know, that is part of the description in the Bible. But you are not going to be in an ethereal ghost state, right? That's not how you should imagine. You will not have to strum harps on floaty clouds. Kids, heaven will never be boring. It will be glorious. Every day will be better than the next. Imagine a city. Wow. And look, this afternoon, read the next chapter because this city is beautiful. It is amazing. The foundations and the walls are made out of, of uh, these gems, a certain type of gem that uh, a geologist would know the difference. But when you shine certain types of light upon them, the rainbow bursts out of them. And the Bible says the walls are made of that, a celestial city. Wow. A, a sight that Hollywood could never even come close to. And you walk on gold, translucent, glorified gold, meaning that gold is so abundant that it's like asphalt, right? Wow. When you think of dying and going to heaven, the biblical way to think about it is a great and glorious city prepared by Jesus for us. Amen? A city whose architect and builder is the Lord's. A city prepared for us. And this is also, in a mysterious way, but in a real way, where we are right now. Now, I know if this is the first time you've ever heard that concept, it can seem a little odd, right? And, and I don't want to seem odd unnecessarily, but this is clearly what the Bible teaches, that when the saints gather for worship, we gather in the holy city. Look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22. He says to the Hebrew Christians, but you have come, you have come to Mount Zion, which is another name for the holy city, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You see, it was already in existence, and when they gathered in worship, they gathered there in a mysterious way with those who had gone on before, and with angels, and with God, and with Jesus. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14. For here... We have no lasting city, right? There's no city that lasts, not on this type of side of history. There's decay and mildew and war and fire. 
but we seek the city that is to come. And look it up this afternoon. That should be translated that is coming. It is a present participle that is coming. It's come. Revelation chapter 3, verse 12. I will write on him. If you have faith, if you're a conqueror, an overcomer, I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God. Written on you in a spiritual sense is the new Jerusalem. You are the new Jerusalem. You are the holy city. Wow. So let's moving on. Let's move on here. It's a holy city, Christ Church. It is consecrated to God unlike any other city. And it's characterized, the whole city is characterized by the very same quality which characterizes the Lord. Holiness. And nothing of sin or defilement can ever go there. Satan is not allowed there, and there God's will is done perfectly, and that's where you go when you die. And you will never, ever again deal with the sin that you deal with. All of your besetting sins will be gone, evaporated. You will not be able to sin. You will not want to sin. You will never sin again. The the battle will be over. Isn't that something? You see, before the fall, man was free to eat of the fruit or not eat of the fruit, to sin or not to sin. But after the fall, man's nature was fallen. We call it totally depraved. And he, being dead in his trespasses and sins, was no longer able to do righteousness, which is why you must be born from above. But after having been born from above, regenerated, you now as a Christian have the ability to do righteousness. Amen? But you still struggle with sin. You still make decisions to do sin, too. But in the final state, after you die or when Jesus splits through the clouds, you will never be able to sin again. You will receive a glorified body. You will be utterly saved. Never to sin again. Isn't that something? It is a holy city. You will finally be conformed to the image of Christ to the uttermost. But seeing that holiness is our destiny, what should we strive for today? We should strive to enter in. That's right, we should strive to be holy today, eradicating from our lives anything that doesn't fit in the holy city. Amen? Amen. It is also, moving on in the verse, the new Jerusalem. Now listen carefully, this is not going to be a long sermon, but this is the new Jerusalem to distinguish it from the old Jerusalem. That's right. And to emphasize that this is where God finally and ultimately fulfills all of his promises to Israel. That's right. To Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now this is, this is complicated, but if this city is Israel, if it is the new Jerusalem, what about us? Because we are not Jews, right? Well, not most of us. But the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37... Now listen to this. This is a little complicated, but you can follow it. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Jesus is praying over the city, prophesying over it. The city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, yet you were not willing. You remember what Jerusalem said. We have no king but Caesar. And on us and on our children... Be the blood of Christ. See, Jesus told a parable. He said that there was a a Lord, a master, who built a beautiful, magnificent vineyard. And he cultivated it, and he fertilized it, and he built a wall all around it, and a tower. 
He set it up for success. Then he leased it to tenants. And you know what? Those tenants would never pay him his tribute. They would never acknowledge his sovereignty over the vineyard. They had it all for themselves. And they would never pay tribute. And so he would send servants to say, hey, it's time to pay tribute. And every servant that he sent, those tenants killed them. He said, you know what? I'll send my son. Then they'll listen. Certainly they'll listen. Well, do you know what the tenants did? They killed the son in order to have the inheritance themselves. Now, what would that master do? He would fire them, or worse, right? Have them executed. And then he would give his vineyard over to tenants who would be faithful. And that's precisely what happened in the first century. The old Jerusalem was judged. And the true Israel of God, the church, Galatians chapter 6, verse 16, was established. Now you say, but what about Israel? Well, how was the church established, Christ church? The first 12 of them, all Jews. And why were there 12, Christ church? Because he was reconstituting the 12 tribes of Israel. He would be faithful to everything that he promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Amen? And here's the glorious good news for us. We, by faith in Christ, are united to them. That's why when you pass through the gates of the new Jerusalem, when you die, you will see, if it's literal, written on those gates. Does anybody know? The names of the 12 apostles, all Jews. And we will walk through because we are united to them. That is glorious good news. The true Israel of God is the church. In other words, let me put it another way because this is an important concept to understand, to understand your Bible. When Jesus was sent into this world, he said, I am the stone which the builders rejected. Who's heard that phrase before? So they're picking a stone out of a quarry. They go to build with it. Ah, We don't like this stone. They toss it back into the quarry. But the Bible says that the stone that they rejected has now become a reconstituted, a new a new stone, it has become the what? The cornerstone of a new cathedral. Built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, says Paul. And each and every one of us are spiritual stones united together. That's why it says in the new covenant there is neither Jew nor Gentile. Because we are united together as one. The true Israel of God. You are the new Jerusalem. Amen? You are the true Israel. And every promise that God ever made in the entire Bible is for you. And all of it flows to us from this beautiful New Jerusalem city. To put it another way, Romans chapter 11, verse 19, it says, Then you will say, Branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in, referring to the wicked and perverse generation of Jews who were judged and broken off. They were broken off that we Gentiles might be grafted in. Yes, amen. You will say that. That is true, verse 20. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast through faith. So do not become proud, New Jerusalem, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. You're in the New Jerusalem? Stay in the New Jerusalem. Amen? Love the New Jerusalem. Be kind to the New Jerusalem. Work for the New Jerusalem. And don't ever quit. Amen? Amen. Moving on, it's this holy city, and this is important to see, not only was it already established, 
But he sees that it is moving. It's moving. It's verse 2 of Revelation 21. It's coming down out of heaven for God, from God. So when he sees the vision, he is not seeing a static portrait. He is seeing a dynamic moving, a movie really, a motion picture. The city is moving. It's coming down out of the heavenlies and merging with earth. Now we know in the final day, heaven and earth will be fully merged, but he sees it in process. Why does he see it in process? Because in AD 66, it had been built and it had already begun its invasion of earth. This is why we pray thy, thy will be done on earth as it already is up there in heaven. You see? All good gifts, Christ Church, where do they flow from? From above. And the Spirit is poured out from where, Christ Church? From above. And we are born from above. It's already started invading earth in AD 66. And it's still invading earth now. Coming down out of heaven. Now we have a lot more to go. Amen. But that's what is happening in human history. And on the last day it will finally touch down. Heaven and earth merged. Amen. Last thing and then we'll be done. It's prepared. And it's prepared as a bride for her husband. Now, we probably need a whole sermon on this, but every one of you who's been a bride, you know the amount of work that it goes into to be prepared. Amen? All the customs and, and all the, the, the neat rituals and all the money and all, all of the, 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 the helpers getting around to prepare her to meet her husband. That's what's happening to each and every one of us. Amen, Christ Church? The New Jerusalem has been and is being prepared for the final day, the consummation. Amen? So this last week, Christ Church, I want you to think of it this way, as part of your preparation. And not just you individually. None of us are individually the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. Everything that happens to you individually and everything that happens to us not only at Christ Church, but everything that happens to the church throughout the whole globe. It's all a part of our preparation. You ever thought about that? The trials and the sufferings that you go through, the good times and the bad, they're all about being prepared for that day when you will meet your husband face to face. Amen? All right, let's close with a few more verses. Looking at verse 3, chapter 21, verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, so the narrator breaks in into the, in the middle of the movie. The narrator breaks in and says, John, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his peoples. That should be peoples. You can look at the footnote later this afternoon. But I want you to understand this. Why does it say peoples? Because it's all the nations of the world. You know, if you don't like people of other ethnicities, just as a quick aside, you're not going to like heaven very much, right? <laughs> right? It's going to be, not only will the walls shine with every rainbow, every color of the rainbow, but the people will shine with every tone of skin. Heaven will be very diverse. You know, one author says that God does this because he likes pizzazz, which is a funny word. And it won't just be the, it won't just be, um, you know, the biological differences, but it will be the various cultural successes and cultural accomplishments. The Bible says that nations will bring their glory in to the New Jerusalem, the next chapter. 
How is it that we bring our, our cultural successes and, our, and the things that make us wonderful and unique, how do we bring that into the new Jerusalem? I'm not exactly sure how that works, but in some way, heaven will be very, very interesting, right? With glorified uh, aspects of every nation on earth. Verse 4, I'm sorry, um, continuing with verse 3, And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. The last enemy to be defeated is death. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Amen? That's how the world ends. Verse 5, And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. What's he saying there? He's saying, I've already started this. That's right. One day I'll finish it, but I've already started it 2,000 years ago. And finally, also he said, write this down, John, for these words are trustworthy and true. You can bank on it. You can count on it. These words are trustworthy and true. Let's all stand as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we dearly thank you for this image of glory. We thank you that you have uh, called us and caused us to be citizens of such a glorious place. I pray, Father, that this sermon would remove any last remaining shreds of fear of death. For death is... Only a, a, a bellhop to introduce us to these glories. We thank you, Father, that you have put this vision into our hearts that we might draw hope and faith and joy from it, even in the present. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. amen. Let's sing in response.